0: Hello, and welcome back to The Give and Go. I'm your co-host, Reynoso, with my boy, Saltero. What's up, guys? We're here to do another deep dive. We ain't stopping these folks. This is for the next month. Please, if you're watching us for the first time, make sure to comment, like, but most importantly, subscribe, because we will be releasing deep dives on every team for the World Cup leading up to the tournament, and this time around, we're doing Morocco. Oh yeah? yeah, okay. Let's go. Let's, let's go do Morocco, let's go man. It. Let's talk about Morocco. Morocco has been heavily involved in the World Cup in their history in this tournament. They were in the 1970 World Cup, 1986, 94, 98, and then 2018. Just once, though, did they make it out of the group stage, which was actually in uh, 1986. They had a round of sixteen uh, exit. More notably for us would be in 2018 when they uh, lost out in the group with uh, Iran. Portugal and Spain but I remember watching that actually being somewhat not impressed but I I thought they played respectably man they played respectably and if results had gone right they could actually done something really special man that game against Iran they conceded an own goal in like the last minute of the game the game against Portugal they conceded in the first five minutes Mm -hmm. that Moroccan team had something to them man they had (laughs) something to it I just want to put that out there because they gained my respect that tournament regardless They're back here now in 2022 after going undefeated in the World Cup qualifiers, uh, defeating DR Congo in the African playoff system with a scoreline of 5-2. That second game, I remember, was a it, standout. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, They yeah. Uh, annihilated Congo, winning 4-1. Yeah, they also had a quarterfinal exit in the AFCON tournament as well, where they lost out to Egypt and I believe, extra time, no? So that's how Morocco's looking heading into the tournament. But most notably, <laughs> 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 yeah, I just went on that whole spiel <laughs> to get to this point. They fire the head coach, Hali Hodjic, um, and replace him with african champions league winner we casablanca's head coach regragi i believe that's how you say it, guys let's I'm, just uh, go with uh, it. Let's just, we're just gonna go <laughs> with let's it regragi <laughs> yeah. and uh, he comes in but mainly this is because of the whole conversations at hand with hakeem ziak yeah. Halil Hodzic did not like him leading up to afcon he didn't play him didn't give him minutes and apparently there's a lot of there's, Turmoil. Beef. There's beef. beef. There's
1: Straight up beef There's between beef. the two guys, and ultimately it, it came with Ziyech just not playing, retiring yeah. technically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that this was crazy is that the Moroccan Federation essentially said we value Ziyech more than Halil Hodjic. which that's effectively what yeah. they said. Which going into this World Cup, there was reason to actually think maybe we need Ziyech at this tournament. Yeah, and so th- honestly props to the moroccan federation dude yeah at the end of the day it's a crazy thing to do firing your coach three four months before the tournament but honestly i think it was necessary man because here's here's my whole just history with morocco just my whole personal history so in 2018 if senegal disappointed me morocco teased me Mm. I got teased by Morocco in 2018 because dude going into that tournament when I saw the squad that Irv Renard had selected I was like this team could do something this team could do something in Russia man but ultimately bro as you kind of said they never really got going in that tournament man they struggled against pretty much every team that they played against but then after like after the first half then you kind of saw what Morocco could have been so it just over the course of ninety minutes, their game management was really poor, man. And I was just like, God damn it! If if you if you if y'all could have just figured out your shit before the tournament, you guys could have done something yeah, in twenty eighteen, man. man. Yeah. And the thing is. Not much has changed result-wise. You just talked about their exit in 2022. They they were touted as one of the teams that was going to go to the semis, possibly lift the trophy in the 2022 African Cup of Nations, and they had a weird tournament, man. They underperformed in the group stage, and then ultimately they got knocked out, rightfully so, sometime in the knockout stage. A really, really lackluster AFCON, and... Honestly, the results after that were really weird too. It took the one game where I saw them play well against Congo to actually qualify for the World Cup. That game gave me a little bit of hope because they played phenomenally, winning that game 4-1 in Morocco. I was like, okay, if you guys can play like this, then you guys can actually do something here in 2022. But the firing of Hali
0: Hodžić, I think, can actually make that a reality. It's like, imagine if Mexico committed to firing Tata.
1: That's the first thing I thought about. You know, that's, the, that's exactly that's what I'm thinking about. That's the first thing I thought about. Like,
0: if it's built up that much, if it's boiled that much to pull the trigger, I get props to Morocco for doing it, man. Yep. Especially because you see how Ziyech, getting included into the squad yet again now, finally back in his element, bro. Yeah. Finally. He actually looks a little free out there, man, because <laughs> he ain't playing like this at Chelsea, nah, bro. He's, nah. he's a little... There's a little bit of drama there between him and Chelsea, even. Yeah. But with Morocco under this new coach, at least in the friendlies from what I saw... He seems a little bit more comfortable, a little more laissez-faire, man. Yeah. Just slinging balls in, trying to feed his teammates, trying to just be a part of that potentially potent offense for Morocco. And so it could end up being a really good decision to get rid of that coach and to just throw him to the gallows, bro, because this new coach is seeing things differently, and he could be seeing something very positive if it ends up paying out. Yeah,
1: because if, if you think about it, if you are going to fire your coach months before the tournament, replace him with a guy who understands Morocco. Yeah. Replace him with a guy who knows Moroccan football at its core. And they did that by hiring Walid from Wydad Casablanca. Yes, he lacks, obviously, a lot of experience on a bigger stage. But again, he knows this team in and out. He understands Moroccan football. So if you need a guy to come in quick, know yeah. the language, yeah. understand the players, this is the guy. Yeah. So ultimately... Really good decision for Morocco yeah. to do the dude this. just
0: beat Al Ali in the in the African yeah. championship. Champions like that's the, the, the go to yeah. guy, man. Like go to guy. The best team in Morocco. I, I think it is it was almost like a natural selection to, to get him yeah. to pick him up after firing yeah, like Ali getting Miguel like getting Miguel Herrera in twenty fourteen yeah. when we yeah. just needed a coach. And so Hakeem Ziyech is back, bro. He's <laughs> back. And he's I just bad. say that with a with little bit of happiness because there's a moment in time where I didn't think, I thought he was just going to miss out on the tournament completely. Oh, man. dude,
1: I, I, did, I completely had convinced myself, yeah, Ziyech's just not going to be here. Yeah. There's going to be a Morocco at this tournament, and Ziyech is not going to be here. But, man, and, mm. and I'm so excited because he's needed, bro. Yeah. He really is needed in this team, and he can
0: take this team to that next level. And so we're going to look into if his presence is something that can actually lift this team to potentially get out of the group. They got drawn into the group with Belgium. Canada and Croatia and Group F, what yeah. many are considering the group of death because of the quality at hand for each of these teams, the potential for each of these teams. For now, we're going to analyze the squad. Let's look at who stands out for us in that goalkeeping position, the defense, the midfield, and the offense. This is assuming that they'd be in a 4-3-3 formation. Their go-to at the back has always been Bono, man. The dude oh, does not yeah. give up his spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah Yasin Bono, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Excellent goalkeeper. Has been popping off in Spain for years now. Obviously now playing at Sevilla. He's really, really good shot stopper, I think, particularly. So
0: Morocco, very blessed to have a keeper like Bono. What's funny about Morocco and their backline is that, you know, so far the teams that we've analyzed, Spain, Belgium, Argentina, Brazil, have... Relatively good center back options, but then there's a conversation about potentially maybe having weak fullbacks. With Morocco, it's Dude, inverse, it's bro. An inverse. It's inverse. It's yeah, so it, it, weird. It's clearly, Oh, inverse. It's clearly. It's yeah. clearly. And it, it's almost to a point where like the fullbacks might be the best pairing <laughs> at the World Cup <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in terms of just raw talent, man. Yeah. yeah. Sais is potentially going to be paired with either uh, Aguerd. I hope that's that right. And Dadi. That's from what I've seen. It's between those three center backs, but I think for sure Saïs starts in that center back position, and then you look outside, and that's where it gets interesting because Hakimi and Mazraoui, what a pairing, bro! Dude,
1: yeah, what a pairing to have on either flank. Both Hakimi and Mazraoui. I could have Hakimi, bro. He's going to run this team from this right back position. Yeah, he's going to run this offense, which is ridiculous in the Afcon. For as poor as Morocco was, the shining light by a long shot was Hakimi. When Morocco needed any sort of impetus from an offensive point of view they got it from Hakimi. No other player really stood up to the challenge man at the AFCON except Hakimi. And so I think him and especially Ziyech right above him on that same flank
0: is going to be one of the most deadliest flanks at the World Cup. Yeah, I think so. That right side is going to be really strong, but you're right dude. There was moments in that AFCON where he, it <laughs> almost seemed like he was like a point guard. He just decided to keep the ball himself. He, he was
1: like a number 10 essentially. <laughs> yeah. he, was like, he, he was in the pocket like yeah. spreading balls. His
0: ability to <laughs> pull out a highlight out of nowhere, score an incredible free kick oh, yeah, or, or send a curling ball in. It's it's why he's considered potentially like a top 5 fullback, fullback. in the game right now. Yeah. And rightly so. And so that's going to be the biggest catalyst for Morocco in my opinion. This Hakimi's performance himself looking at that backline holistically, obviously you're going to get such good quality
1: on either flank, especially on the offensive end, which I think can make Morocco very very deadly if Regragi uses them wisely. But it's, it's a little suspect when you look at the center back pairing, man. I'm going to be completely honest. So, obviously, you have the name Romain Saiz, a veteran on his day. But ultimately, kind of like how I talked about Kuyate in our Senegal analysis, I think he's past it, man. He truly is past it from a like skill level point of view. I think he's good. He's still a good center back. Yeah. But I don't know if I can rely on him to be the assured center
0: back that morocco needs to take them far into a tournament man yeah i completely I agree but I, I would actually count and say that i don't think that he's past it i don't think he was ever past anything like yeah. I, I always thought that he was just kind of below par for the most part yeah we saw him in the premier league with wolves and he was there for a really long time a part was. of those those uh wolves team but i think a lot of the credit that that he got from being part of that backline honestly came from his pairing with connor cody yeah. who i believe is a better center back so, Roman says is, is solid. He's solid. Saez is solid. If he has a good day. But <laughs> yeah. considering he's a little bit past it in that... He's going to be given that leadership role at the center-back position. It's almost too much of a responsibility to Ooh. ask of someone. Yeah. And the contrast between the quality of the center-backs and the full-backs might be too much, man. Yeah, it's very glaring, honestly, yeah. when
1: you look at it. And the thing is, it doesn't get any better when you look at his pairing if you're looking for solidity at the back in the center. Right now, you have agard but the thing is, he's a little injured right now. Hasn't made an appearance for West Ham, but he has quality. Uh, if if Agard is healthy and fully fit—I'm talking fully fit— then you can get reliance at mm. the center-back position. Not through Saiz, but through Aguerd. But the thing is, I just don't know where his health is going to be yeah. going into this tournament, man. I really don't. The backup to Aguerd is Akurak Dadi, who has been playing a, a decent amount for Morocco, yeah, especially the last two years. He's been getting that call-up. He's been getting that starting position alongside Saiz. So as from an experience point of view, I think Dadi will fulfill that role. But if it's Dadi and Saiz... It's going to be a
0: suspect center back pairing. I think, honestly, the most secure position (laughs) in this team, outside of maybe the fullbacks, is the presence of Amrabat, man. He has been Morocco's go-to defensive midfielder for the past four, five, six years, solidifying his role there and being a part of those lineups. Literally, every time they play, he's always there, and I think he's going to be back here at the World Cup yet again to... Try to provide stability in that central mid, defensive mid position.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And the thing is, I actually would extend this to the other two midfielders alongside mm. him, man. I only see three Moroccan midfielders starting every single game for Morocco this World Cup. It's going to be Amrabad in the middle, Unahi on the right side yeah. of him, and then Amala on the left side. Those have been the go-to midfielders. Even when Halikhodzic was coach, once he brought in Unahi, that was the three players that he went to in that midfield. It's the three players that are in form right now for Morocco, just even at club level. I don't see anybody else playing in these center mid positions, man. I really don't. If I can get a little critical here, I only worry about the fluidity of this midfield. I think tactically and technically they're good midfielders, but can they really involve themselves offensively to like really take on a team that bunkers in or just take on a team that has quality at yeah, the back? Yeah. Does Morocco's midfield have the true quality to join in offensively with, for example, Ziyech or whether it's NAC City or whoever, I don't know if they really do. I, I see Amrabat as a holding midfielder, a guy who really likes to play sideways and he's good at it. But is he a good guy from an offensive perspective? Yeah, like I a, really like don't a, think so. And I see the same thing with Amala. He's technically sound. But does he get involved offensively? No, he really doesn't. The only guy who does is Unaki. And he's going to be an X factor in that regard because positionally, he's not an attacking midfielder. But he likes to make runs in the box. He likes to kind of roam around a little bit when Morocco have offensive possession. And I think if Morocco want to be successful, if let's say if Ziyech or the is having a really bad game and they just can't break a back line, it's going to be up to Unaki to just say, all right, I'm going forward.
0: I'm oh, going up. You bring up a great point with the midfield presence of Morocco. Let me just say some names. Kevin De Bruyne, <laughs> Luka Modric, yeah. Oztakio. That's who they're going to have to go against, man. That's who that midfield is going to have to be worried about. Yeah, I dude. just said two of the greatest midfields in the goddamn game, bro. <laughs> That's who they're going to have to be playing against and fighting against in the midfield, fighting yeah, for possession, yeah. fighting to get the, to not get the ball taken away from it's gonna them. A hell a it's going to be hell, man. And now you really got me thinking with that question of, is this enough to get you out of the group or to keep you competitive in these games, man, especially against teams that are, if anything, really strong in the midfield and maybe weaker outside. So, dude, that that I'm I'm a little scared now oh, thinking yeah. about this midfield for oh, Morocco, yeah. it, it's,
1: man. It's clearly for me their weakest link. Just holistically from a starting 11 yeah. point of view, man, this midfield really stands out as do they
0: have true quality, especially on a World Cup stage? I, I just, I'm going to say yeah. no ultimately. Yeah. Where they do have quality, though, is up front. Oh, yeah. Up front they do, and it's, at times, been an electric quality, something that can be really entertaining to watch, the DR Congo being the best representation. But even that friendly against Chile, man, they hounded Chile, bro. Yeah. Hounded them, pounced on them, had them on the ropes the entire game through the striking play of Buffal on the left side. Yeah. Ziyech, his ability to just get past a player, a little bit of flair, or to send a really good ball in. And then Inesri, who's found a little bit of form with the Moroccan team, as well as at Sevilla. So you have three really good, solid options with the potential for maybe a little bit more if you're thinking optimistically. But I'm seeing your face right now, and it doesn't look optimistic at all, brother. It doesn't, man. Like, (laughs) man,
1: when I look at this Moroccan front three, I see a lot of potential, but ultimately, I just see more disappointment. I'm going to be completely honest. I think their superstar clearly up front is going to be Ziyech. I have no doubt in my mind that he's actually going to show up. So if you look at just Ziek, you get very very excited and you should be because he is going to pop up I actually like that you said that because he is going to play a much more free flowing role he's going to be happy he's going to be playing like he did at Ajax man yes because that's the thing that translation from Ajax to Morocco was nothing he literally didn't have to change any style of his game but going from Chelsea to Morocco is a big difference man it is a huge difference for him because he just has not had the same freedom at club level with Chelsea man he really hasn't so playing for Morocco especially on the big stage he's gonna have a lot of fun out here and i honestly i see zeke having a really good tournament from that perspective but yeah, he's I, already kind of on the market bro <laughs> yeah, this, is gonna, is that, yeah. this is gonna be an audition yeah, for yeah. Him to get another signing yeah. or some shit man <laughs> absolutely but when i look at who's next to him man i see a big drop in quality oh, yeah. a big big drop so i'm gonna go to i'm gonna start with on the other side of the flank sofian buffal buffal isn't is a fantastic player An incredible dribbler on his day. But my problem with Buffalman is he's very inefficient, man. His efficiency rate, as far as creating an assist or actually scoring, yeah, he, can be, erratic, low, bro. he dude. can be erratic. He's super erratic. So if he, if he goes off in the group stage, you can basically guarantee that he's not going to show up in the knockout <laughs> stage, man, because he just doesn't have that yeah. consistency. Yeah. He actually just doesn't. He's never had it in his career, but he's a baller. That's the thing. At the end of the day, Bufasa a straight up baller, man. So that from that point of view, it's very exciting to see him out on the pitch, yeah. but on the World Cup, when you're playing against the biggest teams, you have to be clinical. You have to be. And Buffal
0: is anything to clinical, coin flip, man. man. It's such, it's such a, a, coin it's flip. a coin flip. It's a coin flip. Yeah, golden opportunity. Do you, does he? Does, does he, he finish? Put it, it, it in the net. Back in the net. And I, I couldn't flip that bet. coin, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Heads or tails. You can't
1: bet money when Buffal has a chance. You cannot bet money on him, man. And that's a problem for me. Yeah. And then when you look in the center, it's low key a Senegal type of analysis here because. Mm-hmm. Dude, the number nine position is lacking yeah. for Morocco, bro. Yeah. Lacking big time. Yes, Enes City is with Sevilla. He does get minutes, but he just hasn't found the form that he had when he was at Leganes. Dude, when he was at Leganes, dude, he damn near scored 20 goals in a season, man. He's ridiculous. He's popping off. But he's just not that guy anymore. He's just not that guy. And what really pains me here is they did have a guy. Tissou Tissou Dali. Dali. They had him. Yeah. They had their number nine that was going to pair up with Ziyech and that was going to make Bufal an assist guy. Because Dali couldn't make a chance out of nothing. And unfortunately, he's ruled out for this World Cup. Dude, African nations are getting fucked. They're getting injuries. fucked right now, man. It's yeah. pissing me off because I, if Dali was in this front three, I wouldn't even criticize it. But <laughs> Like that, huh? Like that. Because it, it's frustrating, man. He was the difference in that yeah, Congo he was, game. He was He, he had, was the oh, dude, he was absolute great. difference. Honestly, if Tissu Dali was not playing, I don't know if Morocco beat Congo, at least not as convincingly, man. He was fantastic in the game. Him and Unahi specifically. Those two guys popped off in that qualification game against Congo. And the fact that he's not here really hurts me, man. Because, you know, obviously, no matter who's playing, I want to see the best of the best, uh, man. man. Yeah. And this is frustrating because he he really could have changed morocco's offensive fate here he really just him alone and it's really frustrating that the next backup man is nassiri man yeah, it's just yeah. not good enough it's not good enough and for me it just sucks because now it makes this moroccan offensive line just that
0: much weaker bro yeah the, the, and it kind of represents the team as a whole it's spotty man like there's spotty. really good players in really specific positions <laughs> yeah. there's nothing that at the end of the day adds to a really good overall product so Morocco has some some problems to solve if there even is a solution that's up to Regragui to figure out but let's just say that maybe Morocco can heat up a little bit in this tournament maybe and there's a chance that's it that maybe get hot treat these other teams the same way they did DR Congo and that they elevate themselves to potentially get out of the group this is a team that only once in their history has made it out to the round of 16 Hakim Ziyech. Yeah. can he prove to be a catalyst in this team? Can he prove to maybe form a partnership with Hakimi as a killer right flank duo that can just pound on defenses, man, that can scare these opposing teams away and somehow find a way to pull out results and that infecting the rest of the team. You got Bufal then playing maybe a little bit more consistent. Just maybe just balling, that. bro. And Nezri. Feeling that void, feeling that pressure on him. I don't know if you can do it. (laughs) Amrabat being a solid, cohesive rock back there. A leader for his team. Saiz just getting off for a few games, potentially. Mazurawi continuing with his quality that he's already shown. Bono having a really good goalkeeping tournament. Yeah, or Unahi taking
1: this opportunity to elevate himself on the biggest stage. Because, I mean, let's be honest, playing with Angier isn't the most prestigious thing. But Unahi knows how good of a midfielder he is. Maybe he sees, like you said, gets
0: inspired. Yeah, man. And really rises to the occasion. The return of Hakim Ziyech does give me a little bit of a wild card approach when it comes to that offense. Because we Mm. don't know what the offense truly looks like in a stage like this because the AFCON offense that they had was a different team, man, to and a different player on that wing. Yeah. Now you have Zieg back with a completely different number nine. It doesn't look great right now, but maybe there's that chance that that something, some weird mixture, some weird connection can be created between these two players potentially.
1: And that, that's such an interesting take because for me, that is the exact mentality that I went with Morocco going right. into 2018. Yeah. I looked at all the pieces they had. Yes, they weren't firing on all cylinders, but I was like, I think there was more though. There was a little bit more chemistry with that team. For me, yeah, right. For, for me, what it was was it was the inclusion of Renard, who had who had, oh, yeah. who had joined the joined up with the Morocco to take this team to the next level. Renard obviously had a really good resume with other African teams, so Morocco b- brought him in to go far into the World Cup. So absolutely, from that narrative point of view, man, Morocco had a lot going for them in twenty eighteen. Not just on the pitch. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. And so the thing is, it's kind of similar here for me. It's a little similar in the sense that. All the players are pretty good form. Can they come together though? Can they come together? They couldn't in 2018 ultimately, man. No, no. And and the thing is I'm a, I'm a little traumatized here because I just don't know if they can come together on the biggest stage, man. That's when they're going to decide to do it because <laughs> they just haven't done it since yeah, man. Yeah. After 2018, like I said, they were super lackluster in the African cup of nations, man. And I, no, and, yeah. they, and even in friendlies, they just haven't really shown themselves to be that team that I think they can be. Dude, USA murdered them. Murdered <laughs> them, bro. And it actually yeah. was still a good squad that yeah. Halid Hojic had picked at the time. <laughs> so I'm just like, god <laughs> damn it, man. Yeah. Like, the the yeah. Moroccan players themselves just kind of choose when to, to show up. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because the they're just not consistent. But you're right. Can Hakimi and Ziyech inspire the rest of the team? They absolutely can. They could. We won't know until game day comes, with them being
0: in Group F that with is Belgium, Canada, Croatia. It's such a hard group. This is not an easy task, man. No. My ultimate prediction is that we are seeing a fourth place team at this tournament. Morocco does not get out of the group, and they end up in last because of that erratic nature, because of that spottiness that I had mentioned, dude. Like even if I look at Canada, and I know people can harp on Canada for some of their flaws, but. They're not as flawed as this team, man. No. Belgium isn't as flawed as this team. No, no. Croatia isn't as flawed as this team. This team just has way too many questions for me to confidently confidently say that they'll be in third or even in second. Agreed. You throw in Tisu Dali's absence, bro. Oh God. It's a fourth place team, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I actually completely agree with that. The thing is, it's it's a fourth place finish for them, but not embarrassingly.
0: Okay. I I I okay. see this
1: Morocco team actually performing here, but again. I have to criticize their spottiness, as you just perfectly put. So for that reason, I agree. They will be in fourth place. But I do think they'll have some good moments here. Oh, yeah. They, they yeah, will. I think, so. I think they'll compete full on. But to win, man? It, it, Low-key, it might be kind of like how P- Peru did in 2018, where Peru entertained. They entertained, but ultimately just couldn't get out of the group stage. I think Morocco could have a similar fate here, which isn't the worst thing. All I can ask is that Morocco do entertain because they do have entertainers, bro. They have straight-up ballers on this team, and I think they will show up. But, dude, this group is so fucking tough. So,
0: fourth place finish. And that's what we got on Morocco. Thank you guys for listening, and let us know. What do you guys think about Morocco? Are they gonna make it out of this group of death? Are they ending in fourth? Do you agree with us? What do you think? Any players that potentially stand out to you, please let me know. I wanna hear all of it as we continue doing these deep dives. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe so you can be notified for when our next video is up. And man, I'm just excited because the World Cup is getting closer and closer. closer, And we got a hell of a lot more teams to analyze, man. Shout out to any Morocco viewers out there that are watching us. Thank you for watching, and we'll see y'all again soon. Peace.